And now for something completely different. Welcome to Shout Out. Out of the closet and into your ears. Hello and welcome to Shout Out. I'm Andy Shorten. And I'm Steffi Barnett on today's show. Uh, pride, pop and politics. Long-time friend of Shout Out, Daryl. That's two hours and one hour. Bullock, who will be here to talk about his latest book. Uh, and if you missed it at the weekend, we managed to catch up with Peter Tatchell. We've got that coming again. Uh, all that and more today right here on Shout Out. Just because um, Lara's not here, she likes that bit. I so. like it. Now, can I point something out? I, I write the script to, to help us. I, I don't necessarily like spell check and and and. and, and I was just pointing out it, to our know. listener, our loyal listener, <laughs> that the correct spelling is <laughs> is double R and one L. That's all. I know. Yeah, it's all right. I'm going to spell your name wrong all the way through it. You do every week. time. <laughs> I do not. <laughs> It's Fufu E. <laughs> Steffi. <laughs> so, um, and Daryl's already on the mic with us. So. Oh, hello. Yes, hello, hello, hello. So, lovely to have you here. It's even nicer all being in the aircon, isn't it? Oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, I was melting outside. It's absolutely QL. Well, it's all about politics today. Despite your book having <laughs> politics in the title, Daryl, it's um, certainly heating up out there in the Tory party. Yeah, it's... Yes. And, but at least the centre of the party and towards the left of the Tory parties, who obviously are still right wing, um, are at the top. Whereas the We're really r- not going to talk whereas about the politics, right right wing. We? Well, it's just it's going to impact the LGBTQIA community yeah. and mainly the trans community. Uh, some of them were really out and out prejudiced against the trans community. Well, they're, they're toughs. Good word. Yes. <laughs> yes. Would you like to describe what those initial stands? Trans exclusionary radical radical feminist. That's yeah. It. Yeah. Yeah. You got um, it. Yeah. Uh, so we don't want them in. We've got a, we've got enough going on that is uh, going against um, the LGBTQI plus community. We do not need somebody in power who's very overtly, very clearly uh, transphobic and or homophobic. Now, I have a question. Yeah. Because this came up in a conversation I was having um, at Pride around TERFs. What if it's a bloke? There can't be a TERF yes, because can. the, the yeah. F is feminist. You can, be a, you can be a man and be a feminist, though. Of course you can. It just means equality for Okay, all. but what if you're not and you're anti-trans? Well, you're is an asshole. Like, uh, you, well, obviously. <laughs> you're, a yeah. trans, you're just a transphobe. That is a fair enough question. <laughs> you know. um, I'd be, I have been asked it before because um, some people do think that feminist is a word that, that women uh, use. Or, um, but anybody can say they're a feminist if they believe in 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 all genders having the same rights um that's me probably oversimplifying it i don't yeah, i just wondered if there, there was a male equivalent of turf that was a no it's uh if if you're a feminist and you and you are against trans people you are a turf yeah yeah if you whether no matter what gender you are um yeah. so a man or a male or female or non-binary person they can all be turfs um if you are not a feminist and just uh, and just a horrible person, then you're a transphobe. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to um, 
invent your own word. What about a term? Well, that was what, term, that's, yeah. that's what term. because that, that was exactly what we said. We, we were talking at Pride and, and talking about this very subject, and we were like, well, "There's turf. Is there a thing as such as a term? Square deal turf? You know, I, don't know. I don't know. Perhaps we just invented that on Shout Out. But I mean, I hope no one, no one eats, especially the listening to Shout Out. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, you, you wouldn't have thunk. No, <laughs> one never knows. It wouldn't surprise me. You know. No, no. Anyway, um, we've got a very packed show um, today, and uh, I want to make sure we've got loads of time to talk to Daryl later. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to kick straight off into it. Um, um, stay with us because coming up in a minute, we're going to rebroadcast uh, the interview we did with Peter Tatchell um, at Bristol Pride um, because a lot of you were there um, and you heard the bit he did on stage, but we actually got to speak to him uh, off stage as well. So that's coming up in a minute. Stay with us. You're listening to Shout Out. The Shout Out Podcast. Uh, right. Uh, this was from. From Saturday, have listened to this. This is us talking to Peter Tatchell live at Bristol Pride. Now, I am just going to uh, take down the stage a little bit because um, I'm very pleased to say uh, joining us is a long-time friend of Shout Out. A very warm welcome to Peter. Thank you so much for coming and talking to us. Peter Tatchell, I should say, sorry. <laughs> it, it is my great pleasure to join you on this beautiful, glorious Bristol Pride Day. So It's lovely to have you in person because we have spoke. We spoke to you quite recently about the, the film that came out on Netflix, didn't we? Uh, but, of course, because of COVID and everything else, we've all been locked up and not able to get together so it's lovely having you here um i'm assuming you're going on the stage shortly i am you yes. are yeah. cool um can i just remind you we do need to remember there are almost three million people with covid right now yes Ten thousand in hospital in serious life-threatening conditions a million people with long covid so the pandemic is not over and we need to protect ourselves and each other so keep socially distanced if you're really close to someone try and wear a mask yes yes um you know we've all tested before we came here today as well unfortunately it did take some of our crew out last week when we were doing western so it's something we're not immune to either luckily we're all okay tested and on air at the moment so we're holding the fort and hopefully bringing a bit of uh, pride into the ears of those that can't can't make it which is our outreach we do this for those that you know are not able to come down for whatever reason so um but of course i i know having spoken to you many times you remember how this started and how different it was 50 years ago can you give our listeners a bit of a snapshot of if this was that time 50 years ago what would be so different well i was one of about 30 members of the gay liberation front in london who organized britain's first ever pride parade on the 1st of july 1972 uh, we came up with the idea of pride as a way to counter the prevailing view that we should be ashamed of being LGBT. So gay pride was an assertion that we were confident, we believed in ourselves, we thought we deserved respect and dignity, and of course, human rights. Yeah. Um, we had no idea how many people would turn out, because back in those days, most LGBT plus people were closeted. They dared not identify themselves, let alone in public, because they feared arrest, gay bashing, rejection by their friends and families, and even being sacked from their jobs. Uh, back then, it was lawful for an employer to refuse to hire someone or to sack someone yeah. because they were LGBT. So back then, it was a very, very different atmosphere. There'd been a partial decriminalization of homosexuality but only in England and Wales in 1967. 
uh, but still many aspects of gay male life remain criminalized. And in fact, by 1972, the number of gay and bisexual men convicted for consenting same-sex behavior was 300% higher than in 1966, Stop. before the partial decriminalization. And that's because the police never accepted law reform and they went after us with increasing viciousness. They raided bars, clubs, saunas, even private birthday parties. Wow. Um, not to mention public toilets and parks and other cruising areas. The police were absolutely at war with us. Um, simultaneously, the medical and psychiatric profession designated homosexuality as an illness that required cure. And the same with transgender. That was something that they regarded as an illness that had to be cured. Um, you know, some LGBT plus people were subjected to electric shock aversion therapy. This is where they were taken to a hospital, strapped into a bed or chair, wired with electrodes, shown same-sex images, and then given electric shocks. The, the bizarre pseudo-fake science supposedly would result in them developing an aversion to same-sex behavior and would cure them and make them straight. It yeah. did not work, but it did cause course, immense yeah. psychological and physical harm. Yeah, we, we interviewed um, uh, a chap um, who'd gone through that, um, and I said to him, you know, um, and we do obviously agree that we were going to ask the question, I wasn't just asking it randomly, but I said to him, you know, they swore blind it was going to work. Was there any part of it at all that um, you think worked? And he went, no. He said, the only thing that's happened is I'm now scared to have any form of sex at all. Yeah. That's um, shocking. You know, that and, shocking. And that, he had the treatment in the 60s, and we interviewed him only a few years ago, and he's still suffering now yeah. from it. You know. Well, a friend of mine went through it as well in the late 1960s, and he ended up impotent and unable to have any kind of same-sex emotional oh I mean, it's, crim it's criminal, I yeah. think, isn't it? Yeah, and the doctors were never charged or disciplined or there was no inquiry. One gay man died under these treatments. Oh, good Lord. In 1962, he was actually killed and the doctors got away with it, scot free. And this was all funded by the taxpayer on the National Health Service, uh. echoing the Nazi experiments on gay prisoners in concentration camps during the Second World War. Yeah. But hopefully, I hope it doesn't go on in the UK anymore. I would suspect it probably is still going on in other places in the world because we do know, you know, we are actually quite lucky here. Although the fight's not over, compared to some places where you can still get the death penalty, we, we actually have a quite a lot of equality here. So, but go, going back to that that time 50 years ago, I must have been very frightening marching through the streets because there were there was more than 30 of you there was quite quite a lot that turned up about 700 yeah but even then 700 is not it's not like the march that we've just had here in pride with like tens of thousands of people all yeah. screaming the light that must be quite a scary experience that first time doing it i would say that we all turned up with a degree of apprehension we didn't know if we were going to be arrested by the police or attacked by far-right extremists because in those days the far right had two primary targets. Apart from the left, their main targets were Jewish people and gay people. And there were many, many violent physical assaults on gay bars and uh, parties and events. So we were afraid that this first Pride March might end up in bloodshed and chaos. Yeah. But we were determined. We were very determined to take a stand. We were just fed up with the way in which our community had been kicked around and pushed around for decades. And we said, 
We've had enough. Enough. We're going to take yeah, a stand. And and we are where we are now. Um, you know, it, it helped kick off that whole move um, to towards the equality now. I mean, did you think 50 years ago we'd legally be able to get married at any point in your life? Well, I can remember in 1969 when I was 17 years old, I calculated, based on the experience of the black civil rights movement in America, that it would probably take about 50 years to win formal legal equality in Western countries like Britain and the United States. Right. Now, that was just a guesstimate, but it's almost turned it, out to I be was right. Say, yeah. <laughs> what, was, what was the presence of the police on that day? Like, on that, what, what, what did happen? There were a lot of police. Yeah. Far more than were necessary for a peaceful protest. Mm -hmm. In fact, at some points there was pretty much one officer for every marcher. And they hemmed us in, pushed us sometimes. We stepped slightly out of line. We got an elbow in our ribs or you know, push yeah. on the shoulder. Um, some officers openly abused us. Quite clearly, they were uncomfortable about being there because yeah, they, didn't sure. want to, they didn't want to be in the presence of queers. No. And as far as, as far as they were concerned, we were criminals who deserved to be locked up. And what's your, and can I just ask, I mean, it's, it's quite a personal question really, but what's your relationship to the police now? Like, have you found any reconciliation or, do, do you know what I mean? What, what's it like now? Well, obviously relations between the police and the LGBT plus community have improved a lot. And I pay tribute to those officers who've been involved in that process of change. But clearly, there are still big problems among some police forces. Yeah. Now, as far as I know, no police force in the country has ever apologized for their historic persecution of our community. You know, they went out of their way to enforce a homophobic discriminatory law. They didn't have to put so much resources into it, but they chose to yeah, sure. because we were easy targets and a way they could boost their arrest figures. Yeah. They did it cynically just to get more people ticked off as having been arrested and convicted. So none of them apologized. Um, we've seen in London the mishandling, the homophobic mishandling of the Stephen Port investigation of the serial killer who claimed the lives of four young gay men. If the police had investigated the first murder properly, three other young gay men who were murdered would still be alive today. The police have blood on their hands. And that's why I say the police should not be allowed to march in uniform at pride parades until they get their house in order. Of course, there are good officers, they're welcome to march in plain clothes, but not the police as an institution until they reform. Right, yeah. So when I spoke to you, um, it seemed like ages ago, it was only a couple of weeks ago, I think, wasn't it? You know, one of the things that you were a bit annoyed about was that the march at Pride had gone from being the kind of statement that it was 50 years ago to being very commercialised and very fun. And I know after we spoke, you went off and you were... Um, because um, you were on the march and I believe you also opened um, um, the, the Pride, did you not, in London. Is that message now getting back out there again? Because we've heard quite a lot here of people saying, you know, it's, it's not a parade, it's a march and it is about a statement. It seems to have echoed down to Bristol. Did London pick up on that in the end? I think the organisers of the official Pride in London march on 2nd of July did make some move towards addressing community concerns, but the event was still very corporate and very commercial. Right. Uh, there probably was a bit more human rights dimension than in previous years, but only a bit. 
And I think the problem is no one's against the idea of a party. You know, the first Pride, despite the heavy police presence, um, it was a carnival parade and it was lots of fun. But it was also a protest. Yeah. And I've always said you can have a celebration and a protest. The two should go hand in hand, especially when there are so many issues that we are still fighting today, you know, to ban uh, conversion therapy and to make that ban include trans people, to reform the Gender Recognition Act, to give trans people an easier, swifter process to change their legal documents, um, to protect LGBT plus refugees and ensure they have safe haven in this country, and of course to support the global struggle for LGBT plus rights uh, in the 68 countries that still criminalize same-sex relations. Cool. Yeah, we're still a long way to go, as you said. So, listen, I'm going to have to cut it short there because I can see the Pride team waving at me behind because they're desperate to get you on, on the stage. So I don't want us to be the hold-up. Yep. But as always, Peter, it's lovely to catch up with you again. And um, I, I know we're here for the state, but, but do enjoy Pride as well. Yep. Um, and have a fantastic day. And um, we'll make sure we put you out on the stage when you're up there talking. So, Well, happy Pride. Happy Bristol Pride Thank to all, of, all your listeners. And for those who don't know, you mentioned the Netflix documentary, yeah. Hating, Hating Peter, Peter Tatchell. It's uh, really I, worth a watch. The it reason I brilliant. did that film was to show people that change is possible yeah. and give people ideas on how to do it. So I yeah. hope it will inspire a new generation of young people to be change makers because there are still battles to fight. Yeah. So happy Pride. Happy Pride. <laughs> Thank you, Peter. <laughs> there you go. Uh, the lovely Peter Tatchell. So uh, they're going to race him across to the stage now. Um, so uh, we'll, we'll go to a quick track and we'll come back to him uh, when he's up there. We're we'll back in a minute. You're listening to uh, Shout Out Live from Bristol Pride on BCFM, Ujima and Bath Radio. <laughs> Shout out. LGBT radio for you. The Shout Out Podcast. That's Walker Hayes with a Fancy Like. Uh, the one that we played before the Peter Satchel interview was George Ezra with Green Green Grass. So, just in case you like them and uh, you might want to go get them. Um, and apologies if you're listening on the podcast because I know we cut them out. We have to, legally. <laughs> they were really good. <laughs> yeah, they were, they were amazing. You missed them. Listen live. <laughs> I don't want to rub it in, but they were great. In fact, they were the best songs we've ever, ever played on Shout Out. Um, we did say what they were. They're not that, but we're not going to tell you what they actually were. <laughs> Just because we can. Isn't that right, Andy? <laughs> Sorry, guys, that was scripted. I don't know why he would tell me to say that. <laughs> so, no, I like that one. It's a kind of like modern take on fancy, like. isn't it? I like so. his name. And if I recall, Terry likes country music too. I'm, I'm hoping he's there because we've got news coming up in a minute. Hello, Terry? Oh, Terry. We've got the same problem we had Grand last, control last, to major last year. Should we have a seance? Oh, there, there he is. <laughs> Hello, Terry? Mr. Terry Starr, are you there? T to the E to the R R Y S to the T to the A R R. That's right, isn't it? R R. It's very prestigious. There we are. I I've am got, I've got you. See, got you. see, it works. Hello. You mocked me. It did work. <laughs> Live from my gothic mansion. <laughs> I am broadcasting to you. Are you there chilling with blood? Well, I'm, I'm afraid, Andy, you're mistaken. I, um, I'm not a huge fan of country music, oh. although I do like Old Town Road with uh, Little Nas X. So, it's all right. It was, it was only, it was only a cheeky way to segue to you, if I'm honest, mate. <laughs> well... <laughs> Little Nas X. Yeah, Lil Nas. Lil, Lil Nas. There you X. go. That's it. Get it right, Terry. Anyway, right. Shall we Popular get some um, news headlines? Go on. Why then. not? Let's do it. 
This is Shout Out News on Thursday the 14th of July. And in breaking news today, the TV channel and news site Vice News has obtained evidence from whistleblowers within the Financial Services Authority, which regulates the City of London and financial companies across the UK that Conservative leadership Kemi Badenoch and the Chief Executive of the Equalities and Human Rights Commission tried to lobby the FSA into dropping commitments to transgender equality. As a consequence of their intervention, the FSA policy of inclusion was watered down. Full-time anti transgender campaigners, many of them with links to the US extreme right and Christian hate groups, are also reported to have had a hand in the orchestration of negative publicity for the FSA. LGBTQI plus professionals in the industry have been praised for leaking the correspondence with government. One professional told Vice News, I couldn't believe that we received negative letters from the UK's Equalities Minister and the CEO of the Equality and Human Rights Commission. They should be protecting LGBT rights not working against them we were so shocked bbc radio bristol itv west and the newspaper b247 were amongst those media giving major coverage at the weekend to bristol pride as the event returned after a three-year absence enforced by covid19 shout out's team of broadcasters provided coverage for a simulcast between three treasured community stations bcfm ujima radio and bath radio special thanks must also go to bcfm's tristan b local radio engineering expert steve satan miranda Ray and her team at Ujima Radio and Ollie from Bath Community Radio. Many guests, including Peter Tatchell, you heard him just then, Kelly Wilde and Katrina from Katrina and the Waves spoke to us and their interviews will be edited and rebroadcast in future editions of Shoutout. Tens of thousands of people marched through Bristol and around 40,000 are estimated to have attended the festival. The march was more political than in previous years, a reflection of the frustration many people feel at a government which they see as being a set against minority groups. It was not without some controversy. A group of more left-wing and anarchist young activists held a sideline action proclaiming there is no pride in profit and criticising the corporate sponsorship of the main festival. This prompted much debate amongst people attending Pride. Some expressed sympathy with the radical position but felt that it could have been expressed in a different way. Several Christian fundamentalists distributed reactionary anti-gay literature amongst the crowds before showing cowardice in disappearing into the shopping public. However, they were ignored by marchers and supporters alike. Their numbers were also dwarfed by a welcome contingent of progressive Christians who marched in solidarity with pride. The festival on Bristol's Downs was bathed in hot summer sunshine and water stations were much needed as once again pride was blessed with beautiful weather. There were families and our roving reporters were touched to see elderly people, disabled people, parents with young trans children and gay youth all enjoying the music and entertainment. Pride was, once again, an enormous shot in the arm and Bristol's organisers can be pleased that, once again, the city has shown itself to have one of the best free prides in the UK. ITV West Country News reports that the Mayor of Bristol, Marvis Rees, has announced plans for Bristol to bid to be the caretaker host of the Eurovision Song Contest. With war raging in the Ukraine, the winning country cannot host the annual song event, which unites broadcasting stations across Europe and the Middle East in a spectacle of camp and often subversive musical entertainment. Therefore, it is likely that the European Broadcasting Union will be asking other cities to bid for the chance to host the contest in 2023. Mr Reese announced the bid to bring Eurovision to the 
to the hangars in North Bristol, excuse me, he unveiled the bid and a special televised link up with Bristol Pride, with a knowing understanding that Eurovision remains a firm favourite fixture in the LGBTQI plus cultural calendar. BBC Radio Wales added, however, that the Principality Stadium in the Welsh capital Cardiff will also be keen to host the event and that Bristol may have stiff opposition from other British cities too. A wide-ranging interview with gay television presenter and quiz show host Ryland Clark-Neal appeared in the Street Sold newspaper The Big Issue recently. Mr Clark-Neal spoke about his work and life and about the continued need for a pride movement. His compassion for other people in society, particularly the underpaid and people living in poverty, was praised by several readers of the paper in his letters section. With the Prime Minister's job going vacant, several people wrote that Mr Clark-Neal was everything that Boris Johnson was not, Namely, to quote one, hardworking, compassionate and with a social conscience. BBC Two has been broadcasting a documentary series called The Lost AIDS Tapes, based around real audio recordings with protagonists, activists and ordinary people impacted by the AIDS pandemic between 1981 and the advent of highly active anti-retroviral therapies in 96. This 15-year period saw the worst devastation of the pandemic and yet out of that came community activism, which is still shaping health policy on a wide range of conditions to this day. With accurate lip-syncing by actors to breathe new urgency into the the recordings, the BBC says that the stories of men, including John, Jeremy and Tony, recorded at that time, bring these experiences to life. Their real voices are lip-sync, giving first-hand insight into what they lived through. They blaze a trail through self-care and activism, finding agency and helping others to find their voices. Finally, the corner is reached, and as HIV becomes a long-term manageable health condition, people involved reflect on what was won and what was lost in this pandemic. The groundbreaking documentary will be available on the BBC iPlayer for you to enjoy at your leisure. And finally, Wolverhampton-based LGBTQIA plus music station Gorgeous Radio have expanded their coverage area to include Scotland's capital, Edinburgh. At the start of this week, a new transmitter known as a small-scale DAB plus multiplex was switched on. It offers small business and community radio services the chance to transmit in crystal-clear digital quality across the city. 20 radio services have come on the air to the delight of local listeners, with Gorgeous Radio amongst them. Other services also now on the air in Edinburgh include Radio Sangam, London One Radio, The Voice of Islam and Abacus Radio. For these news stories and more, we update our website every day, so please visit shoutoutradio.lgbt. For Shoutout News, this has been Terry Starr and Ezra Peregrine. Shoutout News. National and international LGBT news for you. Shout out. LGBT radio for you. The Shout Out Podcast. A little bit of the old Gina there. Uh, Just a little bit. Thank you. Yeah, that's the name of it. A little bit more. You could actually do a Bristol. You know what I'm looking for? (laughs) Harry, you're a wizard. (laughs) Give me what I'm looking for. (laughs) (laughs) I absolutely love that. I was, I was just uh, saying off uh, listeners that anything from that that sort of time is just absolutely lovely nostalgia for me because I was ten years old. Everyone. Gosh. <laughs> it was very gay, wasn't it? It is a very yeah, gay. Yeah, we're very gay. 
Yeah. Didn't always do an on shoot like this. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> My goodness. So now talking of uh, pop, that's one of the three, isn't it? Pride, pop, and politics. Mm. Yes. Um, yeah. A long-time friend of the show, uh, Daryl Burlick, is here. Very warm welcome to you. It's lovely to have you. It's nice to be back, and it's so cool in here. The it's air conditioning's fabulous. Been a while since we've had you in the studio, well, but well, I think we've talked to you a fair few times. Yeah. We? I, mean, we, I think that obviously the last thing we did must have been on the phone then, or on Skypey, you know, yeah. Zoomy, whatever yeah. it was, because I don't think I've been here since the Great Fire. Yes. You know, yeah. well, <laughs> well, well, Welcome to our, <laughs> our newish refurbed uh, studio. So um, uh, it's lovely, lovely to have you in. And uh, of course, new book out. Yeah, uh, which new is what we're, we're here to talk to you. Now, uh, just just take us back a little bit, just so that the listeners are aware. Um, Daryl is a very good and close friend to shout at for a very particular reason. Um, because um, if we go back, said. 13 years when it started you were working for Venue Magazine weren't you? Yeah that's when we still had Venue Magazine and I was editing the uh, LGBT pages I think we used to call it then it might have been, L- been LGBTQ I can't remember it might have just been LNG at that point it's such a long time ago mm. but I was editing the listings page and and, and and writing an article every week or every fortnight however often the magazine was coming out at that point um, and I was approached by um, if I remember rightly it was it was Mary who came to me um, because she with an idea for a story and they the idea that people wanted to get a community radio station a community radio program specifically for lgbtq people um and it wasn't going too well so i I did a little piece in venue and um and the rest shall we say is history history. yes and here we are here we are Uh, 13 years uh, later on uh, a lot of stations so you know um um, uh, daryl was a very integral part of uh, the whole thing starting we're extremely great you certainly put so. the BCFM management of the time on the yes. spot. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, and I still hear about that. It wasn't it wasn't intended in the slightest, but I'm glad it worked. You know, yeah. so <laughs> yes. So, but yes, we're now well and truly a big part of uh, BCFM, and we're very proud to to uh, call, call it home. So, but um, today we're we're talking another new book. Another new book. Um, now, um, before I come on to the book, you've been writing well ever si- since I've known you. You've been writing mm. for different things. But sure. um, give, give our listeners a, a bit of background. You know, how long ago was it you wrote your first book, and, and what actually got you into it? Okay, well, the first book I wrote was a self-published thing based on a blog I do called The World's Worst Records, and that was oh probably best part of ten years ago now. I remember it, but that was that was just self-published, and then in. 2000, oh gosh, I've got to think now backwards. Is it 2014-ish? I had an idea to write an article, to write something about um, a woman called Florence Foster Jenkins. Yes. Because I'd heard they were making a movie in the States about her starring Meryl Streep and um, Hugh Grant. And this film was going to be made and there was nothing in print about her. So I approached um, a contact of mine at the Sunday Times said, I've got this idea for an article. Do you want to print it? And they said, no, we'll just wait till the film comes out and we'll interview Meryl Streep. (laughs) Fair enough. Um, But I was lucky enough to have a publisher come to me at that point and say, we like this. Could you turn it into a full-length biography? Because there's nothing in print about her. Um, and I did that, and it's all flowed from there. Mm. There have been the world's worst opera. Yeah, thing, yeah, well, yeah absolutely. That's kind of how it so. came apart. Because I'd already written about her in the world's worst records mm. and on my blog. I have to say, very good film. Mm. Great film. Um, great film. 
Um, Although I'm not the best person to go and see it with because I keep pointing out yeah, the errors. All the, all the mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> but then, then that's also a credit to you because, you know, it shows that you've put a lot of research in, into these books. Yeah, and, no, I'm just a pedant. And, and, and the like, you know. Um, yeah. So what come next after that? Um, after that was a thing called David Bowie Made Me Gay, which did rather well, which was a hundred-year history of LGBTQ people making records. Uh, and the kind of timeline that went through that and how, you know, one artist interview, uh, influenced another and so on and so on. And then I did a little book for America about another bad um, uh, vaudeville act called The Cherry Sisters, which hasn't sold at all, but I didn't really expect it to. That was a kind of a, a scratch I needed to itch, you know, uh, or an itch I needed to scratch, I suppose, to make more sense. <laughs> <laughs> a scratch I needed to itch. Um, and then I did uh, something a couple of years ago called The Velvet Mafia. Mm-hmm. Which was huge. Which, well, it's, it's not huge, huge, but it's done rather well, thank you very much. Mm. Yeah, um, it, it, it went down very, very well. It was a, a, a story about the mostly gay men that ran the music industry in the 50s and 60s here in Britain. Um, and that won quite a major award earlier this year mm. and has been picked up for... Go on, name drop. What's the award? Yeah, well, the, the award... The, I should name the award because I'll love it. It's, it's the, um, the Penderic, Penderin Music Award. Music Book Award, sorry, the Pandaria Music Book Award. So we should. Um, and it's only the eighth Congratulations. time. It's only the eighth time it's been awarded. And other people like like Mark Lewison, who wrote the best book ever written on the Beatles, and Pete Papides, who, who wrote this fantastic book called Broken Greek, uh, have won it in the past. So it's um, it's it's amazing thing to win. Absolutely amazing. And uh, this one actually picks up on the music industry having their heads above the parapet, doesn't it? This this new book. It follows it follows exactly from when the last one left off. Although it looks at um, LGBTQ QI QA history from a different angle. The, mm. the last one was very much about the music industry. This is really about how um, the LGBTQ community became politicised and how pride, because we've been talking about pride a lot on the show so far, how pride has gone from being a overtly political act, an act of defiance, mm. to something massive and commercial. Mm. And you also mentioned about the fights before, way before Stonewall. Yeah, but that's one of the reasons I wanted to write this book or write a book like this, because I, I kind of got fed up over the years of reading histories of the LGBTQ community, which kind of insisted everything started in 67 when the law started to change here in Britain, or in 69 with Stonewall. And, and it didn't. You know, I find there's a story in the book, right at the beginning of the book, where I can find, you know, people who we would now recognise as trans people, for example, fighting or standing their ground against the police 250 years before Stonewall in London, not in, you know, in, in New York or San Francisco. Mm, yeah, so, and yeah you are right. It, is, it, it has kind of become this thing, hasn't, hasn't it? Um, we, we all keep saying, you know, Stonewall kicked it all off yeah. and the like. And Stonewall's massively important. Yeah, it's yeah. not, I don't want to put that down in any way, but there were an awful lot of people fighting for our rights before then. Mm. And, and, and even and if, not just here in America, of course, too. Everywhere. I mean, you know, I, even Stonewall itself, I know, was a victim of tons of raids before they finally stood up and went, no, enough's enough. Of course it was. And before then, you've got the Cooper Donuts raid, and you've got other things going on before that too. You've got ten years of of annual marches for gay rights before Stonewall happened. So there was lots of stuff going on, and I think it's important for me as 
well i'm a writer that's all i do i'm a, I'm a writer but it's important for me as part of this community to try and remind people that there's more and there's more it's not just about white blokes living in london yeah you know which an awful lot of gay histories are or lgbtq histories are it's not about white blokes living in london it's about trans people it's about black people it's about americans it's about people from bristol and birmingham and manchester and brighton and so on and so on and and that's one of the things I really wanted to get across with this book. One of the important things, and the thing that resonates with most people, is their life is made up of music. Yeah. And your books follow that, don't they? Where you follow a timeline and you pick out music and people that were fighting yeah. as part of that community, the yeah. art community. Absolutely. And that's because I'm obsessed with music. I, I started off my, you know, my working experience was working in record shops and from that after doing that for so many years i gave up and went into went back to college at 30 to study journalism so i could learn how to write and so the two things i've only ever wanted to do would do something with music or something with writing and this is a way of doing both Mm. but music's it's lifeblood it's intrinsic it's part of everything and and everyone and yeah. everyone and, and especially of the of, of our experience as a community you know there's been music all the way through it and there have been musicians all the way through it and there have been there's been theater and 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 you know live performance and so much as it, it has evolved and revolved around that mm, yeah and there's a lot of lgbtq people who back in say the the 40s 50s and 60s who were at top of their game but not able to come out of dusty springfield springs to mind absolutely but a lot there are an awful lot of lgbtqia people in the music business in the in the theater industry and in, in all of those kind of fields so it kind of gave us uh, if you like as a community a, a, a whole host of possibilities and a whole load of openings and and chance to actually find our community to form a community before the idea of a gay community existed mm, yeah and as you say the trans people must have loved the fact vaudeville and you mm. know, the early theater they could actually dress up well, absolutely is the opposite uh, gender so what, what was your take on because this year they did try and take pride a bit back yeah. to being it because i mean we, when we interviewed peter tatchell you know he he was saying how annoyed he was at that point in time i hasten to add he did then end up talking to london pride but you know he was getting quite annoyed that london pride would come back and it was the 50th anniversary and it was all a big party and he was like no it's not yeah it is a statement you know and on the radio when we were doing bristol pride this weekend gone past you know we were um there were several people who were who were calling it um you know like a procession or mm. you know and it's like and we were like no we, it's not it's a march it's a political thing so do, do you think that message is starting to actually get out there or do you think give it a year it'll be back to the way it was no i think it is getting out there and i think i think we as a community have seen our rights slowly being eroded all those rights that we spent decades trying to win are now being taken away from us and we're seeing what's happening in the states currently look at what's happening with women's rights in Mm. the states it's just obscene and this is going to happen here too if we're not careful we're looking at you know well they're looking at electing a new leader of the tory party and it could be some horrific turf or whatever we don't know yet um, but we will see LGBTQI rights eroded if we're not careful. I personally think you can have both. I interviewed P- Peter for this book, and we talked a lot about this. And the last couple of chapters of the book are very much about uh, what has gone wrong with Pride and where it should go next, maybe. And there's um, talk about pink washing and all those kind of things. Um, I think you can have both. I think you can have a political rally. You can have a political protest 
but you can still have a party. But, mm. you, but the two things can be separate, yeah. you know. I mean, because it is still important to celebrate equality as well. But the, the march has always been that bit. And I know talking to the Pride team here in Bristol, you know, they, they always try and make sure it goes past the, the council yeah. buildings for that very reason. You know, it's a statement of saying, you know. The thing about Bristol Pride, here. the thing about the Bristol Pride is it is a march. Mm. You know, a lot of those bigger prides, they've got floats and they've got samba bands and they've got you know, goodness knows what else going along. They have trucks and sound systems and lorries and, and it's lost. And, you know, buses chucking out WKD at people and all that kind That's of nonsense. That's more like Mardi Gras. Well, do, yeah, what exactly, me, you know, it's... it's and perhaps, perhaps that should be the, the, the difference, you know. Perhaps it should be Mardi Gras is a party and the like, but Pride stays... Have both. You know. You yeah. can have both. There's no, they don't have to be separate. They don't have to be completely opposite each other. You can have both. You can give people who want to march and want to, want to fight and want to have their voices heard mm. the right to march. And then if you want to go and, you know, shake your bum to Kylie Minogue, you can do that as well. <laughs> <laughs> and and why not? That's the choice of a pick of an artist there. Or Gina G as well. I think, I think as well. Sometimes it's also about being educated and educating others if they want if they want to know what the history of an event is, you know. And, and and I saw a lot of that going on. I've been seeing a lot of that going on with young people really wanting to know what Pride is actually about, whether they're part of the community or not, whether they're allies, um, you know, or LGBT themselves. You know, I think mm. that that that's something that I didn't have when I was younger. I wasn't educated about about the fight. I wasn't I wasn't educated about the movement the, the riots um so when i went to my first pride i did think it was just a big party well, you know and, and that and that's okay as well because we all yeah. start somewhere um well uh, that's <laughs> going to be one of, one of my questions i mean because you're you are effectively documenting a lot of the history and if i know you a lot of research went into that book to make yeah. sure it is yeah, as it accurate uh, as possible you know it is it's one of your hopes that the younger generation will read it too well, yeah, obviously. I mean, I don't write for people who are going to top the twig tomorrow. I'd like, I'd like younger people to read it as no, well. No, but I meant, I meant I mean, more from, you know, to actually learn about our history as opposed to just picking up a book because, you know, it's just like reading a book. You know? I, I like to think that, uh, without sounding big-headed, I try to write in a fairly accessible way and I want people to read it, obviously. Uh, but I really want people to, to walk away from this. If they do pick it up and read it, I want them to walk away with the idea that they are part of this story, um, but they have to remember where they've come from. They have to remember that so many... There's this idea of, you know, you're standing on the shoulders of giants all the time. You mm. need, we have decades and decades and decades and generations and generations of people who have fought the fight for us to give us the, the relative freedoms that we have today. Yeah. Um, and just don't take it for granted, you know. Don't, don't assume that that's there for good now, because it's not. And if you don't mm. keep reminding people that we had to fight for this, we had to wave flags for this, we had to, you know, carry banners and shout and scream mm. to get this. Mm. If you don't keep reminding people, they will forget, yeah. they become complacent, and it will be lost. I remember, I remember sitting with my husband watching um, marriage equality go through yeah. the House of Lords. And thinking to myself at the time, what a really odd experience this is that someone over in London is sat there debating whether I legally love my husband as mm. much. Well, he wasn't my husband at that point, <laughs> but lo love my boyfriend 
um, as much as um, my mum and dad love each other. And I was just like, I remember thinking what yeah. a really weird how, thing to be experiencing. how all these heterosexuals have incredibly um, strong opinions <laughs> on LGBTQI plus sure. people and make huge decisions um, that impact us absolutely massively. I've got to say as well, when you're talking about young people and reading, of course, a lot of people read on their books and read on Kindles, but that book would, would and has leapt out at me. The front cover, I know you can't see it, listeners, but uh, please yellow, have a look yeah. online and check it out because it is bright yellow with pink <laughs> well it's 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 the sex pistols never mind the beef i did sleeve, yes i did i yeah, yeah. <laughs> i did wonder but uh well now we know but uh it, it's a brilliant it's a brilliant looking book as well and i i managed to have a quick look but steph was hogging it <laughs> <laughs> well I'm, I'm well i mean i had to prize it out of my husband's hands to give it to steph so, so that she she, well, she that, can read it for the show so are you doing another one? You got another one in the, in the uh, works? There's always another one going Is on. I'm, I'm about three quarters of the way through writing the next book. Yeah. Um, wow. But I'm not expecting that to come out for a couple of years yet. There's going to be a lot more work to do on it first. Right. Yeah. Any uh, hints? Um, it's not too dissimilar. <laughs> <laughs> I can't go forward, so I'm Is going backwards. Is it more pink, less yellow? <laughs> um, it's, it's more black and more female. Oh, oh. oh. Okay. I like it. Brilliant. Nice. Brilliant. I, that's about as much as I can no, say. No, that was that was minute. great. But yeah. Yeah, fantastic. Right, we'll book you in advance then. Yeah, <laughs> please. <laughs> what are you doing next week? <laughs> Actually next week I'm off to do a festival and give a talk. Uh, that's next weekend. Um, think of the Secret Garden Festival. Oh, which is wow! Very exciting. Have you been? Uh, no, never. Because it's been—it's only just come back after five years away. Yeah. So it's the first one, and I'm, I'm giving a talk there on the Sunday. Oh, I hope you had the most wonderful time. I, I don't know. Um, I won't rabbit on about this for too long. But the Secret Garden Party's way of doing a, an event is quite magical. They don't tell anybody mm. who's playing until midnight the, of the day of the performance art, artists. So people wait up till midnight to find out who they're seeing that day. Oh wow! And and they sell out yeah, because right, it's yeah. just it's a magical event the tickets went on sale last September and sold out in a day yes, oh. yeah, yes it's, nuts. it's yeah. nuts well before we talk about that we should just say to listeners um, uh, Pride Pop and Politics by Daryl Bullock out now um, and I'm pretty sure it's also available in electronic versions it as is well, yes, you, yes. If, you, yeah. if, if you really like I can rent it read it for you <laughs> <laughs> for a fee uh, well have you, have you, uh, I'm cheap. would you ever do one of your books as an audio book I reader? have done you have have you I, I did David Bowie made me gay they they um, they, a company, paid Brilliant. me a little bit of money to go and spend three days in a studio in London and narrate my own book. Is it on Audible? Which is surreal. Yes, it is. Oh, wow. Amazing. Yeah. I'll give it a listen. It's a surreal experience, you know, narrating your own book. Yeah. And, and, and then when you hear it back, because it's been, you know, cut and pasted and messed about with, and you, you, you kind of, they balance your voice out a little bit. So they kind of got rid of a bit of my, my West Country burr, and I sound something like a robot. It's kind of weird. <laughs> I'm really looking and, forward to and this. And if, if they do what we do as well, um, with a pre-record they take all the ums and ahs yeah. out as well that yeah. you say so. oh, of course yes, yes. Can, otherwise it'd be I can remember the, the, the most enhanced, enhanced time we ever did that was when we did an Alan Turing special and um, uh, Nick I think Gilmore his name is um, his mum was a wren and had worked oh, yeah. on uh, using the bomb uh, the BOMBE mm-hmm. the, the machine that did a lot of the decoding and bless her because of her age she, she did um and ah a lot um, but to make the piece sound really good and, and and to keep it within the timelines that we have, I went and chopped them all out. And I can remember afterwards, um, um, Nick messaged me and said, that's the best my mum's ever sounded in 20 years. That's amazing. What did you do? <laughs> you know? before, before we disappear, Darrell, what is your social medias? Um, I'm on Twitter, DW Bullock. 
DW Bullock, yes. I'm on Instagram, DW Bullock. I'm on Facebook, DW Bullock. It's quite easy. Okay. Yeah. And website as well? Ah, DW Bullock. What a surprise. .co.uk, I think. It might be .com, I can't remember. But yeah, it's the easiest way. And I'm pretty sure if you type in the book names, it pops up Google me. I'm everywhere. Do it. Google. I remember before Googling was an adjective. It was nearly Yahooing, wasn't it? It was, But they turned it down. Do you Yahoo? Yeah, do you Yahoo? Do you Andy? Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I yoo-hoo but Yeah, yoo-hoo, let's go <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant No, thank so. you, it's, it's, it's fun But yeah, you're fine, if you need to know more about me Really? Just Google me, I'm there Yeah, yeah. It's lovely having you on the show again, mate it's, I love it, it's, it's really lovely to be back here, really So, uh, it's lovely to be able to be back in the studio too it's, you know, Yeah so, Yeah so, anyway, uh, that's it for another week. Um, now, you may well have seen the forecast. It's going to get really, really hot um, uh, over the next coming weeks. So, whatever you do, please do stay safe. Yep. Uh, wear sunblock, drink plenty of water, and catch up on episodes of Shout Out you've missed at shoutoutradio.lgbt. Um, don't ask me what this is, but next week uh, we're in the Upside Down. We are. Mm. <laughs> um, but from myself, from Terry, from Ayers, from Daryl, and from Steph, say bye bye, everyone. Bye. Bye, bye everyone. Shout out. LGBT radio for you.